Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is going to be really big news across Latin America, especially in those countries where people have come from. Um, what is the Biden administration's message to people who may see this in the news in the next few days and think, oh, they're changing the policy. Now might be a good time to go north. It remains a dangerous trip. It remains a time. This is not the time to come to the United States. Xenophobia. Uh, a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. It's the plane of today. Um, it is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out. Running my own business, drinking my own, having fun. All of a sudden, LeBron says something to my husband. And I, and I see this and I go, I stand up and go, don't talk to my husband. And he looks at me and he goes, Sit the f down, bitch. And they go, don't f call me a bitch. You sit the f get the f out of here. That is a young lady currently named Juliana Carlos, I think is her last mm-hmm. name. Let me see. Where is she? There she is. Soon to be named Juliana Shattuck, as I am in love with that woman. <laughs> we are not surprised, I don't think, Alice. She was. Uh, I don't believe that she's actually 25. Yes, don't be jealous, Alice. This is <laughs> very small of you. We happen to be very much in love, uh, Juliana Carlos. She was at a uh, at a game with LeBron, whatever team he plays on. Is that the Bulls, the Browns, the Bulls? I don't know. He's, yeah. LeBron. He was a Laker. Uh, maybe he still mm-hmm. is. I don't know. He went back to Cleveland at some point. I don't mm-hmm. know. I have. Been blessed as to not know anything about LeBron James, and I am fine with that. Yeah. When he first came in the league, um, like 15 years ago, whatever that was, I worked at WRKO, and somebody said gave me tickets to see LeBron come to town. Mm-hmm. LeBron and, and somebody else who was famous, I guess. Um, or maybe it was Carmelo Anthony. Anyway, um, I accepted the tickets because they were free my friend and i and myself we went we went and had uh, i think two beers mm-hmm. we never once peered down at the court <laughs> and we left and that is the end of my basketball interest is over i don't care i don't know about lebron i did find this michael jordan thing interesting but i it doesn't matter because juliana carlos is beautiful and we should um her instagram is um is uh, open to the public by the way she's an instagram model According to people, uh, I don't mostly know how- she's the wife of um, the 55 year old Chris Carlos, who I believe is the person who has the courtside seats. Right. At, so at she, the Hawks in- game. well, she said that she paid for them. So you say the Hawks game. Is that Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks? I guess so. So, so, so they're, so they're, they're, her husband is trading barbs with LeBron apparently at some point. And LeBron, LeBron told her to go to hell. Anyway, it ended up with uh, my fiance, Juliana Carlos. <laughs> Getting tossed and immense, instantly because she's a good member of the press or a journal has journalistic 
uh, instincts instantly put it on Instagram that she had been tossed. Listen, let me tell you. LeBron James looked at my husband during the game and cussed him out. And I stood up and I go, don't talk to my husband. Talk to my husband one more time and I will you up. And he started fighting with me. He goes, shut your mouth, And I go, you shut your mouth, bitch. And then she had to leave. They made the Carloses leave the building, and when she got home, and some time elapsed, and perhaps <laughs> the blood alcohol level uh, had subsided a little, uh, she uh, posted again, impassioned, by the way, Alice, this is one of the reasons I love her, mm-hmm. that and for other obvious reasons that people are going to know as soon as you see the link in the show notes. So, I'm minding my own business, and Chris has been a Hawks fan forever, he's been watching the games for 10 years, whatever, he has this issue with LeBron, I don't have an issue with LeBron, I don't give about LeBron. Anyway, I'm minding my own business, drinking wine, having fun. All of a sudden, LeBron says something to my husband. And I and I see this and I go, I stand up and go, don't f-ing talk to my husband. And he looks at me and he goes, sit the f- down, bitch. And I go, don't f-ing call me a bitch. You sit the f- get the f- out of here. It would be um it would be unusual if LeBron sat down. <laughs> If he got out of there, yes, yeah, it would be. All these things would be unusual, and in fact, LeBron does have a right to be pacing around the court and doing things on the court, probably more than her husband does, or she does. Did you see the video of her standing up and arguing with him on the court at the basketball game? I mean, typically that's frowned upon. Well, I I mean, I I think that there are some fans who do talk smack. In uh, the who's the Mavericks guy, um, the Mavericks owner, you know him, Cuban. Yeah, Mark Cuban. You mm-hmm. know he'll shoot, sh- shout, and some other owners have have gotten yeah. inserted themselves into the game. But um, yeah, to <laughs> try to eject the player because he's you know slapping back at your idiot husband who's in his fifties who needs to be part of the game somehow. It is in his courtside seats. If that's not a, I mean, can I just you read have, you you, you have instantly instantly. Gain status as a total DB if you're a courtside seat kind of person. I want to read you his um, his LinkedIn bio quickly, too. The husband? Yes. Okay. This is Chris Carlos's LinkedIn bio. Uh, Republic National Distributing Company, University of Florida. Uh, currently living in Atlanta, Georgia. In addition to being involved in the Atlanta community, Chris is a member of the Capital City Club, East Lake Country Club, Hawks Ridge Golf Club, Atlanta Country Club, and the Adios Country Club in I am, Boca Raton. I am got to tell you, I would never have guessed that he golfs. No. <laughs> Let me tell you, this guy's distribution, this guy is a sales guy. He's got to be. Absolutely. And, of course, he golfs. There's no way he doesn't smoke cigars and Drink uh, now bourbon, bourbon while mm-hmm. he's smoking cigars, and knows a little bit about the bourbon. He'll, he'll gladly shoot the breeze. Mm-hmm. Has a favorite size and cut of cigar that he likes. Yeah. Probably knows a guy who gets some special stuff from Havana or something that that him happy to tell you. You know that mm-hmm. he could probably take care he of you. He probably too. also voted for Trump, so you know. maybe. Uh, yes. I, well, n- it depends on what the prestigious thing in that neighborhood is to do. Although he is in Georgia, so and, and, and she seems and like from th- Florida originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's definitely a, a, got the whole bro thing going, man. And uh, and he's fifty five and his twenty five year old wife. Quote Why unquote. are you so jealous? She's of had her? a lot of work done on her face. She's had work done, <laughs> I would say, comprehensively. And okay. we applaud everything she's done, Alice. I celebrate mm-hmm. the beauty of women, and I don't denigrate them and try to tear them down mm-hmm. like you do. I think she could tone I, down the lip fillers a little bit. No, I love her. And I am going to be with her. And her name is Juliana Carlos. And this is another reason why I love her. I've her always... Instagram says Juliana Zambetti. At one time. Now she's Carlos. <laughs> okay. And I go, don't f-ing talk to my husband like that. Don't talk to my husband. And he literally was like, you, sit down, bitch. And all of a sudden, now I'm getting kicked out. Excuse- you know, <laughs> I am going to doubt the veracity of what she's saying. I, that he said, bleep you, B. I get the feeling that Hattie, first of all, I, I can't believe about 35 people weren't videotaping it, recording it with phones. Mm-hmm. But had he engaged, 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 I think that, um, oh, well, maybe he did. I don't know. I, I don't think he did. I don't think that he would throw it all away, you know, for um, for uh, Ted Carlos. Excuse me. I have courtside seats that I pay for. F- you, LeBron. You're a f- pussy. Get the f- out of here. You're going to let. I did. Like the words she used. She called him a 
wussy, essentially, but with another letter. With another mm-hmm. letter. And the fact that she's <laughs> like she has no she's she's already mentioned she has no problem with him. She doesn't give a bleep. But she, from the heart is now calling him a wussy. You know, yeah. I think she that she And de- that she said she'd F him up. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I like problematic girlfriends and I'm sorry. Let a twenty five year old girl intimidate you during a game by b- Yo, I truly cannot fa- By the way, see, that she proves that she's 25 years old. Mm-hmm. And she looks good. God, Alice, this is, <laughs> the jealousy does not become you. Fathom how whack some of you guys are. Like, and This is her responding to some people on Instagram, apparently think she was out of line telling LeBron <laughs> to sit down and leave the stadium or uh, arena. I don't know about you guys, but if my girl was at a game and someone was talking to me and my girl didn't stand up for me, I would reevaluate that relationship so for all of you she needs to be giving relationship advice (laughs) absolutely she needs to be why doesn't she get a show she should have a show somewhere uh one american news network is has offices i believe in florida let's go lounge saying your wife's a gold digger guess what if i was a gold digger i would sit back and mind my own beeswax and i wouldn't open my mouth but guess what that's not necessarily true if you're a gold digger you need to protect your investment so you would probably be loud (laughs) i'm a gold digger that's my husband i love him someone disrespects him i will check him whether it's lebron james or a bomb on the street (laughs) if she's a gold digger alice what are you to me considering there is only are you a debt digger I just want to be I, on a podcast. I like it. You know, <laughs> I'm going to land a man with zero assets. That's right. I want to sit, not courtside, but more the side of the stadium that's uh, over 10,000 feet in the air and <laughs> hidden, and uh, the last ticket's released every night. All right, so that's Juliana Carlos. We will look out for her. Obviously, we are friends. Uh, we are fans of hers. LeBron did. Now, this is interesting. LeBron did respond. Mm-hmm. After the game, during the what's now the closest thing to a press conference after the game. No, at the end of the day, that's uh, I'm happy fans are back in the building. I miss that interaction. He doesn't miss that interaction. <laughs> I not doesn't miss it. her yelling at him. He also <laughs> tweeted about it. I think yeah, he's. Uh, I think that he was intimidated by her. I think he was like, man, this and this happens. I know. I know some guys who aren't attracted to uh, hostile women. Um, and who actually are afraid of them. <laughs> and a lot of guys I know who've had who have had sisters. You don't when you if you have a sister, mm-hmm. you don't put wi- uh, women li- a lot of times up on pedestals and have these crazy ideas about them. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, you, you know, you have these these flourishes ab- about them as being, you know, anyway, I'm in enough trouble. So, here we go. I need that interaction. We as players need that interaction. I don't feel like it was warranted to be kicked out. Um there was a, uh, a, 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 you know, a back. And- oh, you, you could have, you, you know, fought for her to be let back in right then, LeBron. You know, no, he was okay with her being kicked out. Yeah, on Twitter he called her courtside Karen. Yeah, it's not, but she doesn't really fill the role of Karen. She was. Yeah, Karen's more like a suburban mom vibe. I feel like. Yeah. No. For between two grown men. And, and which, uh, uh, and you know, we said our piece. He said his piece. I said my piece. And then when someone else jumped into it and, and, and said their piece, um, she has a name, and it's Juliana Carlos, Mister James. But I didn't, I didn't think they were, you know, should have been kicked out. Um, but they might have had a couple of drinks, maybe, and they could have probably kept it going, and the game wouldn't have been about the game no more. So I think the referees did what they had to do. Um, and I don't. I mean, it's, it's fine. I don't, I don't think. Dude, you're spending a lot of time on something that you're, you know, that you can care less about. Uh, you know, taking down the mask or whatever the case may be at that point in time, you know, would have harmed anybody but the people that was right next to her. I wasn't close enough to her. I don't think any of my teammates was close enough to them. Because her uh, Maybe a couple of rest, maybe. So I hope they're, I hope they're okay. Um, but I'm not buying mm-hmm. his whole act at all. I don't know anything about LeBron James. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm not buying this, this act. I think that. That he was bothered by her, and uh, that uh, that the guy probably got to him too. I can't blame him. I mean, there was a time I, I saw a Sox game. Oh, so that reminds me, because I was tweeting about Jerry Callahan today about Jim Rice. I did see a Sox game one time when somebody yelled at Jim Rice, and he went up in the stands and like was about to fight a guy <laughs> um, at Fenway. 
we were there. I think we were there in the eighties. And sometimes these—I mean, you can—you're yelling terrible things at people all through the game. Eventually, sometimes they say that you know, "F it, I've had enough of this." Mm-hmm. And it's always interesting. But that is about as close to watching basketball as I will ever do. Um, so it, it, you know. We are back. Um, hmm, what to talk about? Okay, I want to talk about Jen Saki for a moment. Okay. <clears throat> Jen Saki got a number of questions. You heard them in the intro. It's very interesting about Jen Saki. Like all press secretaries, she is not transparent. She's not forthright. She is not. Um, she's not totally truthful and honest, and she does spin, and she does obfuscate, and she does uh, she's she does talk press secretary smack talk, and they all do that, and so you got to expect them to do that because they're, they're there for messaging. But what what is kind of shocking about her is how little she knows. Yeah, she's always circling now. People used to give McEnany. Uh, guff because she had her trapper keeper and she'd go to page 46 for this and that and, mm-hmm. and but at least that provided answers the trapper keeper <laughs> yeah jen Saki does not have a lot of answers and so she's always the circle back thing she's always circling back mm-hmm. and circling back and circling back and there's also some rumors um that the biden administration and the communications team have been bothering reporters before the pressers to find out what they're planning to ask Right. So, which isn't totally crazy. I mean, like, there's a world in which you'd want to know so you can get the answers to the questions. Well, but that's obviously a result of Saki not being ready for it. Right, exactly. She's not, and then so, she's joking about pe- people on Twitter talking about her and saying, circle back. Oh, sorry to disappoint my ring Twitter, but I'm going to have right. to circle back. But remember that those press, those press briefings, the entire reason for them is so that the White House can disseminate messaging and information that it wants to. Mm -hmm. And she's not there with that messaging and information. So they've got to be like, man, why she's missing opportunities here where she should be creating Mm -hmm. copy with prefab answers on policy positions and where the president is. And she's not. And so when they ask her things about even what happened in the stock market with the GameStop, et cetera, She's got nothing, and these are opportunities. So that's where, if you're Team Biden, you've got to be saying, Jesus, say something up there. And sometimes she's absolutely, and I remember this from last time, Marie Harf and Jen Psaki were terrible during the Obama administration. Mm-hmm. They just were. Um, the um, uh, Jay Carney was very adept. Josh, Josh Ernest, uh, less so, but still good. Mm-hmm. And Robert Gibbs was very strong, although he had a temper, too. He was more like, more like Spicer. And obviously, McEnany was very good. Huckabee was very good. I loved Spicer, but you know, we were told at that point that he was creating too much, too much uh, trouble there. I thought that, but, that, but he was a, he's been a, a flack for a, a very yeah. accomplished flack for a long time. And then you go back to um, with Bush, there was um, Dana Prino, mm-hmm. who was really very good in studious, very standard issue flack. And I love Tony Snow, who you probably don't remember. Um, he was a Fox News guy that went over there. And he he was essentially brought on to yell back at the press because mm-hmm. the press was doing whatever it could to um, to signal to the enemy that we weren't winning the war. So they brought Tony Snow uh, there. And then uh, Clinton had Dee Dee Myers, I think, for a while, who I guess was pretty good. And then he had Joe Lockhart, who was a dumb Boston guy, I think, who was stupid, who now has gotten mm-hmm. back into the thing. And he's, um, but but um, but Saki's not great at, at this stuff, and I don't. It doesn't bother me all that much, but they can't be happy, and that's why we're seeing them wanting their questions in advance. Not, it's not just because hey, let me see what you're asking, because right. they want to be able to knock out of the park all of the questions. They right. want to be able to knock Ducey's questions out of the park, and um, I don't know if they're allowed in, but OAN, if they are in mm-hmm. there, I think they're still there for the moment. Anyway, at least I know Newsmax is maybe not OAN, right? But um. Yeah, and and she's just getting caught off guard so much. Although you would think, like, especially the GameStop one kind of shocked me that they didn't have anything ready to go on that because that was such huge news. Like, do they not have anyone who's on Twitter in their offices? Because that was, like, the biggest news story for about four days in a row on right. all of social media. So I don't really know. Like, they need some AOC's people in there or something because she always knows what's going on. But it it seems like they just don't know what the big news stories of the day are. 
Yeah. Well, it, so here's an example of a question that she should have, where she was absolutely clueless, which should be to a worrisome level. Ask whether the president has made a decision on keeping or keeping the scope of Space Force. Wow, Space Force. It's the plane of today. Um, it is an interesting question. Um, I am happy to check with our Space Force point of contact. I'm not sure who that is. I will find out and see if we have any update on that. So, one, it doesn't appear that she knows what Space Force is. Two, there is a command staff at Space Force. I'm looking at it right now. I wouldn't have known off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But the, it's, under the, it's, it's, a, it's a wing under the auspices of the Air Force. Mm-hmm. So Space Force is um, – John Roth is the Secretary of the Air Force. But it's Space Force is also – although because Trump said it, it's a got to be a clown show idea. It's a, been a well thought out and long – Overdue. Uh, yeah, and long considered, um, mm-hmm. y- you know, um, um, organization. It's something that the people have said that we need for quite some time. Yeah. And it totally makes sense. So she should know. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, the, all that time in the last four years just dismissing everything that happened under Trump is right. dumb. Right. They're going to act like anything that Trump did is stupid, though. And the Space Force thing has been like a joke on the left. So that's like that's where they are, I guess, is they just think Space Force is a joke. So they're going to go with the left wing. Ha ha. This is so ridiculous that they want to go to space. I mean, prior to Trump, we weren't doing rocket ships anymore nasa was a shambles so it's like i mean that's fine we can let the lefties uh let the u.s fall behind in space and space can just be run by big corporate interests like elon musk or whatever and that's i guess right and they're getting a a nice um i mean it's it's a brilliant way to do it to dangle Mm -hmm. money in front of musk and all those other guys and amazon's got their own thing now are are you is okay you just we lose power no we didn't lose power but they knocked your camera oh okay that's okay Hold on. All right, so I'm going to play another. This is Saki with. Um, she gets a question about Trump in meeting with uh, Chairman Xi of China. Uh, we'll let you know when a call is is happening, and certainly have a readout for all of you as well. The question was: Had there been a call yet? A lot like the strategy is not to talk to him at this time because you're talking about speaking to allies and and making other calls first. Is uh, have they requested a, a call? I don't have anything more for you. I think I. Don't appreciate the like putting words in my mouth. That wasn't what my effort was. What I was conveying. I don't appreciate the like putting words in my mouth. Shows you the true Jansaki and illustrates, I would say, why she doesn't have a lot of depth of knowledge and stuff. Her go-to is like those kind of people don't study about space first. For something, maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's absolutely accurate. I don't know. But the problem is, she's putting words in Jansaki's mouth because Jansaki's mouth is not creating words that people need. <laughs> Right. Is what our strategy is here from the United States, which is to work with our partners and allies and determine what the right time is. Of course, the relationship with China is going to be multi-layered. We'll deal with climate. We'll deal with uh, we'll deal with the economy. We'll deal with uh, security. Uh, and that is, a, of course. Now, hold on. Is there something else that maybe in 2021 you'd want to take up with China as an issue? Anything at all changing the day-to-day lives of everyone on the frigging earth? We're going to deal with climate. I don't want you to deal with climate with the Chinese. I would like you to deal with uh, the pangolins and or the uh, you know weapons-grade lab. Yes. That created this thing that's killed 500,000 Americans. Why isn't she why isn't that top of mind for Jen Psaki? It's not because they're you know, now that Biden's elected, the pandemic was very helpful for getting Biden elected. But for actual policy, it's not, you know, that helpful for advancing stuff that they want to do anyway. You know, so, I mean, you know that they've told us that the number one biggest uh, public health crisis in America right now is climate change. And the other number one biggest health cri- public health crisis in America is racism. So... The pandemic doesn't rank in the top two for them. <laughs> I don't know why. It's incredible to me because it seems to be killing a few more people than racism is. It's a priority to President Biden. He's spoken about it during the transition. He's spoken about it. Uh, obviously, he's had uh, engagements with his national security team about a range of issues, including China. We've been here less than two weeks. And uh, when we have a call to read out. I'll make sure you know. Go ahead in the back. Thanks, Jen. I want to ask you a few on. So this last question is from a CBS reporter. And 
um, he knows that he's dealing with uh, somebody who's very pliable, we'll say. And so the way he positions this question is very shrewd, very shrewd. And she should know better, but she doesn't. This is going to be. Oh, hold on. Okay. This is going to be really big news across Latin America, especially in those countries where people have come from. Um, what is the Biden administration's message to people who may see this in the news in the next few days and think, "Oh, they're changing the policy. Now might be a good time to go north." Well, the the message continues to be uh, what it has what it has been, and I and I appreciate you asking the questions because it is confusing as we take a lot of these steps forward. Uh, one is that this is not the time we want to put in place an immigration process here uh, that can that is humane, that is moral, that considers uh, applications for refugees, applications uh, uh, for people to come to into this country at the border in a in a in a way that um, treats people as human beings. That's going to take some time. It's not going to happen overnight. Obviously, we have a bill that we are hoping we'll be able to move through Congress. Uh, but we also feel, um, I don't think any parent can look at what's happened to those kids over the last couple of years and not feel that we should do everything in our power to get those kids back with their parents. So we are trying to repair. This is about his executive order, the project get the kids back with their parents uh, project. <laughs> Which is going to be a fruitless project. We've already tried to be getting the kids back with their parents, but it's a hot news item. So the idea is to contrast Trump loved separating kids from their parents and some still aren't back with their parents. And now Biden is the big unifier. He's going to find the parents and put them Mm -hmm. together. Some of the parents, some of the people who dropped them off weren't parents. Some of the parents aren't interested. So this is just going to be a fruitless dead end. It's also not the question, but she does get around to the question. And the reason why her answer to this is. Um, you know, a minute and 30 seconds long is because the actual answer is um, is a hot answer. The damage and the horrific actions of the prior administration by trying to do everything we can to reunite these kids with their families. But it remains a dangerous trip. It remains a time. This is not the time to come to the United States. We oh. need the time to put in place uh, an immigration process so people can be treated humanely. One of the other things. It's not the time to come. We need to put together an immigration process. Now, when the caravans came during Trump, it was also not the time to come. (laughs) We needed to put together a process. No. Trump just wanted to separate families because he enjoyed doing it. I'm not even talking about the separation. I'm just talking about the caravans, you know, two years ago. And it was just, it was xenophobia. It was absolutely racist. I don't know about that. Absolutely. It was the end of the world. And now we welcome you. The Statue of Liberty says, bring us your tired poor sick. Mm-hmm. And they, they, the, the media covered that as if they were co- – they covered one of their own, Jim Acosta, talking about the Statue of Liberty as if it was absolutely true and the spirit of this country, the very fabric of our democracy. And uh, the Joe Biden is a, a hard stance, no anti-immigration president right now. So they should know that. Remember – it doesn't matter if they go through point of entries. It shouldn't matter. These are families with kids where they're coming from. It's the most disadvantaged. Well, sorry, it's not the time, says President Biden, hmm. who had been intimating uh, consistently that it was the time as soon as he got in. Well, so, yeah, and I mean, what? what's the message that it sends that for four years, Democrats screamed that Trump was too mean at the border? And that it was discouraging people from coming and how terrible and cruel and awful he was. And that the way to fix it was to elect Biden. So, I mean, they only have themselves to blame for causing oh, the well, situation oh, that arises now. It's the same thing absolutely. as Obama in 2014 with the unaccompanied minors. Yes, every time they do, they create messaging and create narr- narratives um to for complete political utility, there are there is fallout, and that fallout are usually uh, marginalized people, whether mm-hmm. it's in black communities or brown communities, or whether it's people coming from uh, immigrants coming migrants coming from uh, Central America, and uh, they don't care as long as the political utility was there, and as long as they got them in office, well, then that's where it counts to have a media cover for you. And these guys so far have media covering media covering for them. And, you know, it's good. So this guy is Jeff Bennett from NBC News, and he asked two questions. I want you to listen to these questions. This is beautiful. This tells you where the media is now. 
Mm-hmm. NBC News correspondent. NBC is a legacy network. Been around for a long time. Um, and I, I've shortened her answers because I don't care about her answers. It's about his questions. Here we go. The Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell back in 2017 famously said, um, winners make policy, losers go home. Given that, why shouldn't Democrats, why shouldn't President Biden be as tactically ruthless as Republicans have been in, in pushing priorities that he champions? Why shouldn't we just drive them the hell to the ground and beat them to death with rakes and pitchforks? And Why shouldn't we? Screw them, right, Jen? Come on. Why, why shouldn't he be ruthless is the question. Can you imagine? One, it's a freaking layup question because it's idiotic. Two, Jeff, uh, is there something you, you want to get off your chest? Considering how mean they've been, why shouldn't they? Right. Why shouldn't he? In other words, he should. Are you telling me he should, Jen? Well, I think the president has been clear that he is uh, encouraged by the pace and uh, the rapid pace, I should say, uh, that Speaker Pelosi and Senator Schumer are moving this package forward at. And quickly, can I circle back to use that phrase? Uh, to- <laughs> he loves it. You know, could you, could you say it, Jen? When you say it, it's awesome. I actually have the T-shirt now, the circle back T-shirt. Anyway. Question I asked during the transition. Um, <laughs> Anyone can steal it. Just means you have to get back. So I'll circle back to this. Has the White House made a determination about whether it will continue to extend the privilege of intelligence briefings to former President Trump, given the concerns among some Democrats that he'll either misuse it or leverage it to enrich himself? Mm-hmm. And he, I love how he builds in the answers right there to her. <laughs> Should the mean jerk who left even have anything to do, get any of the privileges? Why does he get Secret Service and limo rides? This is a good question. I've raised it with our intelligence teams or our national security team, I should say. Uh, it's something, obviously, that's under review, but um, there was not a conclusion last I asked them about it, but I'm happy to follow up on it and see if there's more to share. Circle back. Go ahead in the back. There you go. That's Jeff Bennett of NBC News making sure that he has uh, your interests in Can mind. Can say something? Yeah. Uh, Circle back was a terrible phrase when it was just a phrase that people used in emails at work. Yes, it, it was. was already a bad phrase, yes. even when it didn't represent the government not having any answers for the media. But anyway, <laughs> that's it's one of my least favorite email things that people say. Well, in circle back in a meeting. Is not well. One, it's overused, and it's so disgusting, really, to hear people say it again and again. Mm-hmm. But it's also another way of saying I don't know. I don't have what you need right now. I don't. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to. Yeah, I'm going to. Fl- I'm going to seamlessly circle back to you. Mm-hmm. I, it's not as oh, I'm unprepared, and I'm not giving you what you need right now. I'll circle back to you. That's right. Mm-hmm. I used to. What used to get me, and I used to want it when I used to, have to go to sales and marketing meetings in radio. I've never been, except for when I had to shop at Shaw's in Melrose, Massachusetts, I was never closer to committing suicide than I was when I had to go into those marketing meetings. I used to, honestly, when I used to walk across this, 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 we'd park in the parking lot across the street and have to walk across the street. I used <laughs> You're to talking beg- about Shaw's. I thought you were talking about the marketing meeting. <laughs> No, 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 shop, no, this is the Shaw's in Melrose, Massachusetts is the worst shopping experience in the history of the earth. It's true. Yeah, well, because there's no other real grocery stores there. There used to be a Johnny's Food Master, but then that became a Whole Foods. So right. then there was like no other normal grocery store. And then they t- t- made the smart, wise decision to take the self-service lines out of commission and make you have to engage with a cashier, which is brilliant. Anyway. So, you know, so I used to, these marketing sales meetings, I used to hate them so much because of all the sales, the marketing parlance that it was always used. I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. Freaking brand reinforcement and brand enhancement and brand duplication and brand, oh, freaking, it's like being a room full of Donnie Deutsches, actually, and probably while Juliana Carlos's husband. And, um, and uh, yeah, I used to, when I walked across the street, want to get hit by a bus. So this would be so great. If I get hit by a bus right now, I could die, which is fine. Or I could just be seriously hurt and have to go to the hospital and not have to go to this meeting. Because, oh, man, spitballing ideas with marketing people and sales people. And like, I just want to be on the air or be around a radio show and not talk to you. And we always had to, guys, I just want to make sure we're all reading off the same sheet of music. You know, that was one they'd always say, always, constantly. Certainly, we were circling back. We were tabling things left and right. You know what? Let's table that right now. Same sheet of music. Same sheet of music. God, tipping point. Tipping point had come out right then, so mm-hmm. it was everything on the tipping point. 
I'm really going to go to the, on the mat on this one. You know, I really think that we should really let's rethink. It's like right now they'd be saying reimagine. We should reimagine. Mm-hmm. You know, our strategy this next month. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, and then all of the things where you'd stand up and say. Okay, guys, let's think about who is our listener. What, what, what does our listeners, if our listener is a musician or band, who is that listener? And I'm like already here thinking, is there any way I can physically with that stapler pierce my heart and die? And I remember saying, and they said, okay, Tom, who is our listener in a band? I said, um, Frank Sinatra. And everybody was mad at me. <laughs> no, no. We, it's not Frank Sinatra. And the other guy raised his hand and said, you too. And she said, yes, you too. And she wrote it on the board. I'm like, really? I'm, I'm already down one in this game of idiocy here? God. Oh, it makes me upset to think about it. It's fine. Um, okay. Anthony Fauci is back today. We've had new developments. Breaking news. Again, you'll be shocked. He has changed his position on masks. This is going to be really big. Oh, sorry. That's not him. But he might have changed his position on Max, too. You can make uh, a general common sense extrapolation. If one mask serves as a physical barrier, if you put two on, if you're looking for enhancing the physical barrier, it makes common sense that it certainly can hurt and might help. But it doesn't yet reach the point of an official recommendation from the CDC because of the lack of data. But when people tell me or ask me, should I be wearing two masks. I say, you know, if it makes you feel better to do two masks, the chances are you're going to get an enhanced protection. So why not go ahead and do it? There you go. Masks, double masking is back. There are many people who feel, you know, if you really want to have an extra little uh, bit of protection, maybe I should put two masks on. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's no data that indicates that that is going to make a difference. And that's the reason why the CDC has not changed the recommendation. And wasn't there like a whole logic about the thing that like having the mask, if it if it's um, not breathable enough, that you're gonna create more gapping around the face because you're gonna because there's a lot it's both to it. fit and filtration. You know, it, it it likely does because I mean this is a physical covering to prevent uh, uh, droplets and virus to get in. So if you have a physical covering with one layer, you put another layer on. It just makes common sense that it likely would be more effective. And that's the reason why you see people either double masking or doing a version of an N95. At one point, he's, he says during this long interview, I should have gotten it, but I didn't. It, it was just way too wordy. He was given too much time to speak in this bureaucratic language that really also puts me back at the sales mm-hmm. marketing meetings. And he said, you know, when I see patients, I usually, I'll wear double mask. I'll usually have an N95 at least. Sometimes I won't have an N95. Sometimes I won't double mask, but I'll always at least have the, uh, an N95. And like and he said, so when I see patients, for my own protection, I always make sure, I'm thinking like, when are you seeing patients? <laughs> Unless there's a triage in the green room. You are not seeing patients. He doesn't and, have time. He does no. so many TV hits. See patients. I don't know how he has time to do his $400,000 a year job when he's on TV so much. Like, his schedule must be packed with interviews. It really uh, You must. think? I don't, I don't, I mean, you would, doesn't it seem like if you're the highest paid official of the United States government and your thing is pandemics and there's a pandemic on that one time every hundred years when there's a massive pandemic that you would have like stuff to do day to day that would prevent you from doing like six tv interviews a day uh you would think so but apparently not like i don't have time to do that many interviews you know that there are probably for the little agency that he works for Mm -hmm. there are probably uh pr people in there I would think so. And people go do TV hits so that the important people can stay back and do work. He's also not good at this. Yes, I'm aware. He keeps changing. I mean, it's not a good thing to have somebody go out there and say, well, wearing two masks is common sense. Well, actually, there's no data to support two masks. Well, actually, you would think that with the physical barrier, you know, I wear two masks. I think it's probably good. Like, this isn't good. You know, he's he's bad at public messaging. He should they should. Rein him in. No wonder the Trump administration wasn't letting him do interviews. Completely and totally agree. Um, you know what's interesting? Talk about a guy who is good on on his feet mm-hmm. is uh, Ron DeSantis of Florida. 
So he got a question today or yesterday about uh, coming down on big tech, if something should be done to rein these guys in. I don't know why he got the question or whatever, but uh, this is a question from the reporter. The audio is a bit muffed, and then you'll hear DeSantis' answer. See if there's no requirement for those that are posting on the Internet to have any, uh, you know, any kind of regulation or any kind of uh, you know, accurate portrayal of events. Because uh, a lot of this is, uh, you know, the, the deep platforming seems to be driven by somebody who did something that provoked the platform's attention. Well, I think it's been done in a, in a way that's completely unprincipled. I, they, they mentioned the Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's story was true, okay? We now know it was true. And the typical corporate media outlets, they just chose to ignore it. Obviously, they wanted to beat Trump. They had a, they had a, a view on the election. They didn't want to give it any air. So we rely on social media to go around that, not let corporate legacy media outlets control the discourse and let us speak. So you had the New York Post to run it, and you couldn't get any traction. You couldn't get any reach on it because big tech put their thumb on the scale. So that was true. What they said at the time, oh, it was, it was, it's a conspiracy or it's based on, on, on hacked information. Are you kidding me? You're trying to tell me if there was hacked information that could damage me, you guys wouldn't print it? Give me a break. You can whiz on my leg, but don't tell me it's raining. You guys would print it every single day if you could. And big tech would allow it to (laughs) proliferate every single day, 24-7. So it's not being done in a principled basis. And it's not, there's there's threats on me. And it only gets taken down if law enforcement goes and tells, tells them to do it. Otherwise, it just stays up. They're not moderating any of that. So they haven't done a good job in it. The thumb's always on the scale in one direction. And um, we just need to, bring, uh, we need to bring some protection for folks. I really, really worry when you have a business owner that may rely on some of these tools to do small business. If they engage in wrong think or they go to the wrong political event, then all of a sudden they can act in concert and just take, take you off. You need to have protection against that. I love it. Yeah. I, I love everything that guy says. Yeah, he's and he's handled the pandemic really well. I mean, he I, he is running for 2024, so I don't know, you know, but it it seems to me that right now he's like the front runner with with people because he's managed to stay out of the MAGA or not MAGA feud enough that he has kind of cred with both, you know. Yeah, and, well, I get, you know, so he apparently ran very MAGA and then mm-hmm. moderated and has done a wonderful job. Well, I don't think MAGA necessarily means extreme, you know. It it just means, I think, more of a pop. It's almost like a tone thing, more of a populist No, tone. but he was running commercials, I think, with like his, his two-year-old in a MAGA bib. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so, mean, but I don't think the message of MAGA is necessarily no. like very right wing. Trump is just Ooh, Trump's- I don't like the, that anymore, Alice. It was just a, it, a domestic terror attack, Alice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, members of Congress were uh, scared to death. They AOC thought that they were going to come murder her, which I don't doubt actually. If they got their paws on AOC, I, I don't want to <laughs> even think about what they yeah, were done I, for. I don't think that uh, that was a safe situation for her. No, it actually annoys me because the rhetoric around this thing is either like. My God, see, we must get rid of Ted Cruz from the Senate because he tried to kill AOC, which is not true. Um, right. Or this is so dumb, she's totally overreacting. How idiot! Like there were definitely people in that crowd that got into the Capitol that were not going to be kind to AOC if right. they found her in there. But that said, her language is consistently irresponsible. The reason I say this, and the reason I'm getting emotional in this moment is because these folks who tell us to move on, that it's not a big deal, that we should forget what's happened, or even telling us to apologize, um, these are the same tactics of abusers. And... It's also the same tactics as people who, who just want you to move on and want to get on with the business of Congress. And, you know, people who want to uh, try to move into a more productive role. uh, role. Yeah, if you want out of the relationship, you can get out of the relationship. You can leave the seat. (laughs) Nobody's trying to keep you from exiting the abusive Um, relationship. I'm a survivor of sexual assault. Um, And I haven't told many people that in my life. Um, 
But when we go through trauma, trauma compounds on each other. She certainly told many people that in her life now. There's no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, like 300 million of them. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I would say that it, it, it you know, to overlay that onto people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley um, and other people who want to get on with moving Congress is a pretty, pretty low and um, disgraceful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Don't I understand that she she she's emotional and she got herself worked herself up to to say that, but I mean she knows a bunch of those people got shot at by a Bernie supporter, right? Who's her candidate for president? Um, well, is she telling- like literally? Steve Gillies almost died because uh, he was shot to, almost to death with their kids there in some cases, right? Which yeah. No, and, and and he's not suggesting that she's that he's been told to shut up and move, although they have been told to shut up and move on. Which is, I mean, like I'm willing to believe. I believe everything she said happened. In right, Congress. but don't equate them with sexual assaulters. Well, yeah, yes. and don't necessarily tie in random people in Congress who just happen to, you know, have voted against certifying the election results with the people who were attacking the Kavanaugh because it's not there. It's the same thing like with people who want to separate the uh, Black Lives Matter people who want like police reform from people who are breaking down windows and stuff like we need to be able to separate people who are using inappropriate tools to get a message across from people with a message who aren't you know, looting or trying to kill people or breaking into the Capitol. You know, we we have to, in order to have a functional society, we can't equate everyone who voted for Trump with people with the people who broke into the Capitol. Right, and also in the if we've hit this new phase of trying to not incite more problems, telling half the world that rapists are uh, working alongside you in Congress mm-hmm. and intimidating you is probably not the way to make sure psychos don't drive down to D.C. Uh, but another question for you. Mm-hmm. She has told people now on Instagram very publicly that she was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And... Um, So this is this is this is my question is this. We wouldn't in the newspaper if we we cover the police uh you mm-hmm. know logs we have you know we do police reports and court reports all the time and you'd never identify somebody who's sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. Obviously. You know it's just something an ethical thing that you wouldn't do. Right. Um but she's identified herself as a sexual assault victim. Mm-hmm. Is there and I, and I defer to you because the, 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 there's a there's an, one I'm not a woman who was actually assaulted, and and two, um, just for women you talk to women you've been around women. Mm-hmm. Is there any obligation for her to to name who assaulted her? Um, I think no. And Why you know, not? it's interesting that you bring this up and that you said that you know you're, you're not a woman who is sexually assaulted, and it is usually women who get sexually assaulted, mm-hmm. but. Not always. And um, this debate also happened when um, Scott Brown wrote his book, if you remember, um, because he had been abused as a kid at a summer camp and he wrote about it in his book. Mm -hmm. And some people thought it was like brave and good and other people were like mad at him. Like, Mm. because you didn't come forward, how many kids, other kids, and that's your fault and blah, 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 and like blamed him. And I don't think you can ever do that, especially when it's um, something that happened to someone when they were younger or, I mean, any time. It's because um, those types of experiences mess with people so much and it's so much, you know, like thinking maybe it's your fault or you gave someone a wrong impression or you did something to deserve it. You know, it takes people decades of their lives to figure out that maybe what happened crossed a line and wasn't something that they asked for or did. Right. You're seeing this happen now too. Um uh this big Marilyn Manson story that broke uh, yeah. today too. And by and- the way, just a, a a base um a base bit of advice to women of the world, just don't date Marilyn Manson ever. Yeah, I mean I first of all, I don't know who's I mean 
Evan Rachel Wood has been dropping hints about this for years mm-hmm. now, first of all. And, you know, Dita Von Teese, uh left him, packed her bags on Christmas Eve and walked out of the marriage after six years because it was so terrible. And, like, uh, you know, he is bad news. And it seems obvious just... At- well, just he's Marilyn Manson, among he's other Marilyn things. Marilyn Manson. It seems like maybe his uh, tastes in relationship are tend to run to the the extreme, uh, but you know, Evan Rachel Wood has now confirmed this publicly and said explicitly that this was him and uh, said a bunch of the things he did. And they're pretty pretty terrible. Uh, um, but you know, it is it her fault for not saying something sooner or for filing police reports or doing X Y Z? Well, like no, because. You know, she was groomed. She was someone who was a teenager who he started dating when he was twice her age. And, uh, you know, for years, you know, followed these followed these strategies that abusers follow to, like, make somebody think that that what's ha- what's happening is OK to, you know, break down barriers and defenses for this stuff. Or like, look at the John Weaver story. This stuff's all over. He like pursued young men for years. Is it their fault for not coming forward for being the young kid who's just trying to get a job in politics and this guy who's important and has worked for John McCain and all these important people and everybody says they're great and he's trying to get you a good job at the Lincoln Project and at the same time he's like asking you questions about your body and trying to see if he can take you to Paris for drinks or something like you know, and you're like 14 and Mm -hmm. what do you know? You know? I don't you you're trying to figure out like is this okay this is a person that everybody says is good that everybody respects that I you know like what did I do to I'm just me like what it's it's such a like mental psychological Hmm. mind game thing and it and people don't it sounds crazy but even people that this stuff happens to when they're kids like they in many cases, they continue to think it's their fault or they did something to deserve it for for years and years and years afterwards. You know, are, I, we, is this, are we being shelled at the moment, by the way? What? <laughs> What's going on? The <laughs> what house is shaking because some oh. <laughs> kid between two and six or many of them are jumping like it seems like 20 feet to the ground, shaking the house. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that you can ever... The abuser is accountable for themselves, you know, and you can't blame somebody else for not like coming forward and naming them because you're never going to it's going to be counterproductive. If you want people to be able to come forward and talk about these experiences, then you can't start the conversation by the second somebody says something about it saying like, well, why didn't you say something sooner? You know, because then it just then they go they go like oh well yeah i guess i should i guess it probably was my fault i guess i was right to think that you know like it was a fine experience and that's okay you know like we i i think that we should talk more about these experiences and make them more open but i think that there are a variety of reasons why people don't come forward for many many years and that we can't immediately when somebody says something heap judgment on them for not doing what we think they should have done if we were in that situation it's very interesting um yeah, no, and, 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 I, and I, you know, I wasn't suggesting that she should, but I was just thinking, like, what, well, now that she's said it happened, the coast is clear, but you make a good point, mm-hmm. especially if, if if doing so would put her through trauma. So, trauma or other people through trauma, right. you know, that she cares about, or, right. um, you know, actually, the Scott Brown case, they did actually find the guy. <laughs> Wasn't he dead? I thought he was dead. Um, maybe, but they figured out who it was, yeah. or he didn't work at the place anymore, or whatever. But they did figure out who it was, and he was so. Whatever, um, but with Marilyn Manson, it's interesting, Alice, because you were probably too young. But in the nineties, he was constantly seen with Rose McGowan, mm-hmm. and she was this sweet young Hollywood starlet. And you saw her with this animal, and thinking like, why is she so nice? Why is she dating this freaking thing? And she had like this weird. Tattoo or something. I don't know what it, but anyway, it was like, man, this person is uh, not with the right guy. But man, yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. Like his tastes in a relationship tend towards uh, pain and uh, humiliation and uh, control. And I, you know, he claims everything was consensual. But what I, when Evan Rachel Wood left him, I think when they started dating officially she was 19 and he was 38 and uh when when they first started officially dating the um 
you know, they were even engaged for a while. And then mm-hmm. she went, eventually when she left him, he called her house where her family was 196 times in one day. And talked and then, about it, gave an interview. Yeah, gave an interview to a magazine where he said he fantasized every day about bashing her head in with a sledgehammer. Great catch. Okay. <laughs> so so the, the, the lesson is don't date him. Before we go, I want to play, a, I don't know if it was on purpose, but, and I know you've got a couple of items you might want to mention else, but uh, mm-hmm. but uh, somehow during a long Fareed Zachariah interview where Fareed Zachariah and John Kerry talked about fun things like a carbon tax, which might be great, a great way to penalize you for daring to live, Zachariah stumbled on to a good question and uh, I think the answer is illuminating. You talk about it being exciting and the marketplace telling people to do this. But but right now there are areas where President Biden's actions will put people out of work. Canceling the Keystone Pipeline, the decision on no new fracking on new federal lands. Those governmental decisions are going to put people out of work. In fact, already are doing so. What do you say to those people? After all, you were a politician and you understand there has to be you have to find a way to to uh, to bring people along. Well, we, we're, we're a great nation at creating jobs. Uh, we've historically constantly been creating jobs when our economy is growing. Obviously, the first objective to do that is to be able to deal with COVID. Uh, COVID has knocked economies all around the world for a loop. So that has to happen. But but. As the pre- well, before you dealt with COVID, you fired the ketone pipeline people. So that was the first priority. I may, it might be in spirit dealing with COVID, but right now, destroying jobs is the thing that's being implemented right now. First thing we have to do is deal with COVID. No, no, no. The first thing you did was fire these people <laughs> during COVID. The president has said, as President Biden has said many times, that COVID actually offers us the opportunity to build back better. Because the economy has been rocked, as we come back, we will be putting major investments into various uh, sectors of the economy. To- investments. Yeah. Actually, me burning down your house is a good thing because it gives you the opportunity to build back better. That's exactly right. <laughs> and this major investments. In other words, we're gambling. Could pan out. Might not pan out. Who knows? All we know is right now... The major investments that have panned out are being deleted by Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. And actually, those were, I guess those weren't major investments by the government. It was just allowing industries, uh, you know, the freedom to flourish. Get it moving again. And if those investments are done in a way, Fareed, that are green, that... that, that uh, if the investments are done that are green... Go ahead, James. What would you like to ask your mother? Pretty soon. Well, about three minutes. If those investments are green, so not only are they in the in just simply just investments, who knows? See if this works. It's Solyndra, but green. So there, it's going to be done with um, with this this ethic, this religion infused into them. Mm-hmm. This has to be compliant and green, and with a special nod to social justice in it. You know, trying to make these uh, grow entire industries from nothing. Mm-hmm. In, in a new world, green. We're talking about green hydrogen jobs that don't exist as yet. Right. To imagine these, this is vaporware right now. This is not something. These don't exist right now. What mm-hmm. exists are the jobs that you're taking away right now. Are, are looking to develop hydrogen fuel, for instance, or the making. Of- looking to develop yeah. is different than developing. Um, if you translation, if you're not a research scientist, there's right. not a job for you in it yet. And actually, Elon Musk gave some I'm not going to be able to find it right now, but he gave some interesting interview fairly recently where he was saying that like a big part of the problem of his business is a problem of scale. That it's like way easier for them to make like one handmade prototype of something really cool than it is to, he essentially said it's harder to build the machines to make the thing than it is to build the thing itself. Mm. You know, to build it at a scale where you mm. can actually like sell it to a bunch of well, people. Elon Musk is not John Kerry. <laughs> Kerry's already got the factories. They're all he's already that we're way past that. Yeah, all you have to do is marry into them and then they just go Alice, like that. That is low. That was low. <laughs> and we've enjoyed ketchup in this house, I'll tell you. I like ketchup. Those electric cars. I, I mean, no, people don't lose a job in the transition to electric so cars because the, the car still has to be built. The wheels have to be put on it. The electric, the batteries have to be put in it. 
and people are going to work at doing those things. And that's the amount, that's the deepness of his knowledge and thoughtfulness on this subject hmm. of why your car job has to be taken away. Yeah, building well, cars it sounds like gas. somebody has a lot of really good ideas about how to run a green car factory, it's Mr. Right. Kerry. Maybe somebody who has a lot of money should, say, invest in some kind of company that does things like that. It sounds like it could be a really profitable venture because it sounds really easy to do. So, I mean, who wouldn't invest in something like that? If you can build this car, you can build that car. That's <laughs> just, just He knows. He's John Kerry. He knows. The electric cars, that's the same exact thing. Same exact thing. Elon Musk, what does he uh. know about that? So we've already seen remarkable growth. There are 55,000 new jobs in Texas, all in wind, in Texas, the home of the- Yeah, because you're dangling money in front of people to build wind farms. Jeez. There's a lot of jobs, uh, thousands of jobs in Texas dealing with other energy as well. You know, many more, I would say, and many more around the country. The fact that you're incentivizing people to create these wind farm companies- by dangling U.S. federal tax dollars over their over their heads, is not a an organic industry that's grown. Mm -hmm. It's a fair. This is the world's fair from 1906 that you're you know subsidizing from the government. It's not the real world. These things can't. This is there's no reason to think this stuff is sustained unless the government sustains it. Fossil fuel industry. You know, I mean, this is a transition where the fossil fuel companies themselves. I mean, look at BP or Shell or other. Uh, large uh, fossil fuel companies. They're diversifying. They're engaged in the creation of these renewable jobs now and doing... Then we don't have to invest in it, right? <laughs> they're diversifying. Well, right. Well, because they're chasing government dollars around. Right. Of course. Why That's not? That's where the subsidies are going. Right. <laughs> Research and carbon capture and storage and so forth. So there are going to be a massive, literally millions of jobs created over these next years. Uh, and there will be a transition in our economy just the way there was in the 1990s when computers and, and uh, cell phones and other things started to be created and AT&T changed. Yeah, in 1993, had the government simply deleted AT&T's landline phone technology and industries and 9X and all the other Verizon, which was around then, et cetera, mm -hmm. It would have been complete catastrophe, <laughs> right? Because imagine. the market wasn't there yet, and the government was the government didn't push us all into the internet in right. in the nineties. In fact, the government was trying to you know lasso Microsoft for being mean monopolists. The government stepped out of the way in the nineties. That's why we had the boom. Right. The market made the decision in the nineties. Yeah, I remember all the government investment we had to do to get the iPhone invented. Don't you? <laughs> No, it, it, it's it's incredible it's the way the the way the self AT and T switched over. Yeah, AT and T switched over eventually, like everybody else. But you know, using the market carefully, watch they followed the people, the masses. The market moved mm -hmm. from landlines to cell phones, and AT and T moved with it because they're smart. There wasn't suddenly you can still get a landline if you want one. As a matter of fact, I think we technically because of our like cable and internet package, I think we technically have one in the house. Let's get one and let people start calling, Alice. All right, <laughs> do you have some housekeeping you want to get to? Um, well, speaking of gambling, I wanted to update you on um, the uh, GameStop situation briefly. Um, Can I even sign on yet? These bastards are keeping me out, Alice. Me and Portnoy uh, taking heavy losses because yeah. I'm not allowed to get into my Robinhood account. Uh, so Portnoy has sold all his... Uh, Meme Wall stocks, Street bets, yeah, meme stocks. His Wall Street bets stocks, uh, his short sold stocks. So uh, he did exactly what I think you're supposed to do, which is buy. God dang it, Alice! It's been two days. I go to I cash know. on Robinhood. It says account required. We're reviewing your application. They're having issues. You no, I want my money. AMC they don't have any liquidity. Down. This is why I only let you put thirty dollars in it. AMC is now seven eighty six. That's per what stock. I was about it's, to tell you. It's down. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I, yeah. I'm a stockbroker now, Alice. I I, I have I the power now. I was about to tell you I'm that it's to... a good thing that you're locked out for now because it's been dropping for a couple of days. GME is down, uh, which is GameStop is down seventy percent this week so far. We're only at Tuesday. It's about ninety dollars now. It peaked at like four hundred and something. It was uh, like Disney is up three four bucks by the way. But I have guys. training wheels on because I'm not allowed to be an adult and do this. I can only watch the action now as I'm in. Yeah, purgatory. you're okay. It's gonna go down a little bit more. You'll be fine. You'll buy 
right at the bottom. So, yes. so what you're not supposed to do is you're not supposed to be Dave Pornoy and buy when it's at its most expensive and then sell it once it drops. That's typically uh, not. I'm going to be buying high. <laughs> okay, well, I'm be buying high. That's why I only let you put in thirty dollars. So, so uh, that's how Tom's stock broker, uh, stock breaking. What what are you? Stock I'm a stockbroker. Broker, yeah, okay. I'm a licensed stockbroker. Okay. Well, anyway, so, um, but Dave Portnoy. Um, in other words, I have invested... a driver's license, and I'm a stockbroker. And um, <laughs> so Dave Portnoy lost seven hundred thousand dollars. And he has a point, actually, that Robinhood stopped trading on these stocks when interest was very, very high, So, which caused them to fall. And then, you know, they did margin calls because then once the stocks fell, people couldn't cover the margins. And, um, you know, and then the stocks got sold and then they dropped further. So, right. so, so Robinhood, Port- not because they had a liquidity crisis. I don't All think right. it was a plot. Else, but, we're being overrun here. So anything else? Um. Well, anyway, the point was... Uh, that Robin Hood is going to have to answer a lot of questions on yes. this. Uh, but Dave Portnoy might also have to answer questions. And Mark Cuban uh, was on Twitter, on, not Twitter, <laughs> Mark Cuban was on um, Reddit today. He didn't ask me anything on Reddit. Mark okay. Cuban is all for it. Mark Cuban oh, congratulates the Wall Street Bets people and says that next time they just need a broker with better liquidity and they might have to do somebody okay. who requires anything else a going on? for trades. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> But uh, for more hot stock tips like these, uh, just kidding, we do not offer financial advice. You can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. Uh, you can send us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. And you can check out our YouTube channel where you can see video versions of the podcast. You can comment on stuff. You can like it. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and write us a review, too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.